Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Linda Lang. Hi, this is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com. We are here exploring the mystical side of life. Today, I have spiritual teacher, Adam Hall. Adam, welcome. Well, nice to be here with you, Linda. Good to be with all of you in the listening realm. This amazing uh, time that we're in. I look forward to exploring the mystical with you and also the practical and the pragmatic part of our life as well so that we can live most fully. It's so important that we don't just closet our spiritual aspects to one side and have our earthly existence on another side. You know, it's so much more effective if we can bring spirit and have it embody our life everywhere. So I would love to start our conversation with your Mayan mystical experience. I like how you prefaced, uh, Linda, the idea of grounding our more mystical experiences and that, that journey of kind of living in a 3D world I found, but also functioning in more of a, let's just call it a five-dimensional experience or, or, or greater than a five-dimensional experience is, is really what I have found to be an art form. Who better to look to than some of our ancient cultures, our indigenous cultures, who had very advanced technologies that we seemingly, in our current version of our 3D selves, have screened off either as being outlandish or woo-woo or not practical and all the things that we've done in our own conditioned journey. I know that I became very conditioned to live life a certain way, to achieve the American dream, to conform in ways that just made me feel like, oh, I belong. But of course, I, I never quite felt that I did in my own unique way and essentially really suppressed the parts of me that were, let's just call them more mystical or five-dimensional uh, humanness or more quantum, as I referenced in, in the book, The Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve. The Mayans were in a very fascinating culture, and they had many technologies that are very advanced and more advanced than today primarily their mathematics and their abilities to connect into the quantum field were very advanced as well, just like other cultures that were emerging before them, the Atlanteans or the Palladians or other ancient cultures that built the pyramids around the world. And I became a fledgling student, and I still am a student of, of the cosmology because it's, it's, very, it's, it's very advanced and it's very extensive. The Mayans had a very definitive mathematical mapping of what they referred to as the light field. They spoke a language of light, which is their connection to sun, connection to the moon cycles, connection to other astrological changes and, and on the planet, not to get overly wonky about it. But what I loved about the Mayans and which really led me to a, a, a deep experience with an ascended master was they focused on archetypal energies and the beauty of the archetypal energies I found 
is that it, it, it allowed me to get out of my left head, that linear mind that needed to read something, that needed to understand something more from an intellectual perspective and really crack open that right brain, that more creative brain, that more receptivity that brought in more discernment and archetypal energy like the Mayan juice allows us to do that. So the cosmology is quite fascinating. The calendar is accurate to the T. We're in a very powerful period of time post-2012. Mayan cosmology and the mysticism that are ancient ones that are here very much present with us today are offering us as a way forward during these really challenging times, if I do say. You may think the same. Let's talk a little bit about the Ascended Master. I began a journey back in 2012, and I was initially exploring deep meditative spaces. I'd been doing the ayahuasca and the jungles with the ayahuasqueros and the masters and different other types of plant medicines. And I wanted to begin to explore the inner terrain of my own being without the addition of any kind of medicinal medicines. And so I began a deeper practice of meditation. And it was in 2012 that I was invited to take a journey to meet an ascended master. I didn't know exactly where I was going. I had it to follow my own intuition. And in the shamanic traditions, we practice lucid dreaming. In other words, in our dream state, our conscious dream state, where we're really dropping into more of an alpha and a delta brainwave state, slowing everything down into a very deep presencing. And many of you are experienced this. We begin to see images, but it's lucid because we're sitting in the presence of it. It's not like we're dreaming at nighttime. So there's a bit of a difference. And I connected with an ascended master. I don't know how any other way to describe it. And he invited me to come and sit with him for the next 81 days and that he would offer his teachings. And those teachings would ultimately reveal 13 wisdom teachings that are universal that come forth that I share in the divine genius, the unlearning curve. And this ascended master, I gave the name men not in a gender sense, but men in the Mayan cosmology is the eagle, the great seer, the one that can see high and far, has a very sharp vision, a very focused in terms of its mission and where it wants, well, what we call dream our world into being. And men is the wise master. So that's how I met men. And he was my guide for the next 81 days. I find that very interesting, Adam, that he didn't have a name. You gave him a name. From my experience in journeying and coming across some greater awakened ones, so many times I've been told that their name is more for me than it is for them. Exactly. Exactly. And I asked him, I, I did in my first meeting, what shall I call you? And he goes, it doesn't matter. Therein lies an interesting experience as we interface and as many of you are interfacing with guides or masters or angels, and that when we interface, the power always remains within us to make the choice of how we are to be in relationship with these energies. They're not here to tell us how to live our lives. 
We're not here to subordinate ourselves. We're here to always keep our hand on our own evolutionary steering wheel. And I preface that not to be, you know, preaching anything I should say to anybody, but these are very powerful forces and they're to be understood and treated in that way and honored that way, but also to know that, hey, we get to choose how we want to relate to them, when we want to relate to them, if we want to relate to them, and we get to choose whatever is being revealed is not the absolute truth because only each of us hold the truth for ourselves. So I gave it the name men because I chose that. He didn't care. Your spirit guides, your helpers, the greater awakened ones aren't trying to take your power away or direct you. They can give you greater insight and suggestions, but it's never demanding, forceful, or controlling. Never. Exactly. And if it is, then that's a place to disconnect with that energy force. And many, I think, over the ages in the exploration of their five-dimensional self or six or seven-dimensional selves, we find ourselves meandering away from the grounding place within our own earth, within our own body and mind and spirit and soul in our heart. And that's when we surrender power. And although many of us feel that we have such great expansiveness of our consciousness as I do, what I'm finding, and I certainly articulate this very much in the divine genius, is that we often give up our power. What the divine genius focuses on, and particularly unlearning, is we must unlearn what we gave our power to. And in this particular context, the power that I gave away, that I believe every human being shares this, is we give our power away to this idea of our separate self that we've labeled the ego, the ego mindset, and that we've surrendered our power to this aspect of ourselves that is not our truth. And this is about reclaiming our authentic self and, and our authentic truth. And that is where our power lies, is to choose that. And the archetypes are merely energies, the guides, the angels. These are archetypal energies. It's not to say, are they right? Are they wrong? Are they real? Or they're not. That's not the point. That just misses the point. These are powerful energies that can really add a lot of color, excitement, as in the case with me, with men, tremendous amounts of wisdom and guidance, but ultimately it was up to myself to choose. If you, you know what I'm saying, that's what we're talking about. And I'm glad you have emphasized this because a lot of us miss this. I did for a bit and I got lost. Even on the spiritual path, it's so easy to give your power up to your angels, your guides, your, your path. I believe that your place of power is in your place of choice. And this is your life, your experience, you get to choose. And it's so much more effective in my mind, if you work with your guides and your helpers and your heart and your soul and fully align in this place, in this three-dimensional place, bringing in that spiritual energy and just expressing your true nature 
while you're here it's just like it gives me goosebumps even to think it but it's not about giving your power away you spot on with that and there's no time like the moment there's great opportunity and great potential that is right now available to every single one of us even though we seemingly are having many many challenges and the point of this really is is that from an ecological perspective uh, Linda, we've reached a punctuated point of evolution where the rate of change of our evolution is shot up in a very short period of time. The data and the stats are showing very clearly science is that this rate of change is happening very quickly. We've lost, according to the World Wildlife Federation, 68% of our biodiversity. So that's in the outer world. But just think of it this way. What does that mean to your inner world? If the outer world of our, our, where we live, what we call our home, mother nature, what does that offer us into our inner climate, our inner landscape? And this is the time where we must invoke and claim our given right of free will, where we can choose back into reclaiming our power, because ultimately in the journey of reclaiming our power, we can move through the fears that have locked us into playing so small to repressing ourselves and our soul into a place that we are in a state of perpetual disease and death. Nothing feels like we are in power. And this is the time to reclaim our power. And my work and my dedication and really to this work is to support every single one of us to reclaim this power. We need, we need you. We need each other. We're being called into receive these greater beings, these greater dimensions into our being to empower us to move through this coming period of great earth change. And if you are going to wait till tomorrow, then that will not serve anybody. And it's time to serve yourself in that way. It's not selfish. I knew that I needed to help lift my children, for example, by lifting myself. I needed to help my community by lifting myself. And this is the call of our time in so many ways to reclaim our authentic power, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Could you share one of the wisdom teachings with us? Oh, I'd be more than happy. There are 13 of them. All are essential to reclaiming power, to unifying our field as authentic beings, as sentient beings who have free will to choose in to the life we want to live, the life of wellness, the life of joy. This is our power. And in order to do that, I shared the first wisdom teaching with each of you today, because this first teaching lays the foundation for the rest of your life, starting right now. And this teaching is about freeing ourselves from the future's past. The human psychology and biological rewiring of our minds gives us the opportunity to rewire ourselves. We have malleability to rewire away from our past. Here's a little clue. It's a bit of a secret, but it's not a secret because we all know about it. But the way we approach it in the divine genius, 
frees you from the past. It's called forgiveness, but it's true forgiveness. The idea of forgiveness as we know it is like, oh, I'm going to forgive this person for what they did to me. Okay. And that's, that's fine because we all go through our journey and things happen. But the problem with that form of forgiveness is it keeps us locked in the experience because we become the victim of our lives or we are the perpetrator of an experience. So therefore we call, oh, we need to forgive that. And we make an, a judgment about it. And this is not to dismiss what happened. It's not to deny what happened. It's ultimately this forgiveness of recognizing what did happen is a reality, but how we want to live it in our lives is something we can choose. In other words, we can keep living our everyday life based on the past experience, but I want to offer true forgiveness and true forgiveness says that we forgive others and we forgive ourselves, not for what happened, but for what did not happen. And what did not happen is we forgot that we are connected with one another. In other words, when we know of our inner connectivity, of our body, of our heart, of our minds with others, that everything is connected. Everything is one in, in, in the universe. But and when we recognize that our inner connection, then there can be no hate. There can be no fear. So when we remember that we're connected, we say, oh, I forgot that. I'm going to forgive myself for judging another. I want to forgive myself for being the victim of my experience. I need to let that victimhood go. I need to let my judgment go. I don't need to be the jury, the judge, rendering someone else guilty for what they did because I was innocent. That's the same old stuff of ego and separation. Einstein said you can't solve that problem from the place that created the problem. True forgiveness solves the problem by seeing the place we are one. There's more to this forgiveness process. I offer deep insights in divine genius around forgiveness. If we don't do anything else in our lifetime, but to forgive ourselves, to love ourselves more fully, to accept ourselves and who we are, to end the shame of our lives, to know that we are worthy of abundance, we are worthy of love, true forgiveness offers a way to do that. And it's a beautiful practice. I practice it every day. I remind myself often. Forgiveness, such a powerful healer. It reminds me of Edgar Cayce, the great American mm. sleeping prophet. And he channeled quite a bit of spiritual wisdom, including the universal law of forgiveness, which says forgiveness heals and empowers the one who forgives. It really isn't about the other people that we project onto. It's really a self-healing mechanism. Yeah. 
The other thing I would like to say as a student of Hawaiian Huna shamanic practice, and we do Ho'oponopono, but what's really important in the uh, Hawaiian teachings that once you forgive, you don't bring it up again. If you bring it up again, there's still layers that you haven't forgiven. Yes, that's so beautifully said. And those uh, Hawaiian traditions offer so much love and beauty and grace and, and offering that. So thank you for offering that. And, you know, the Buddha, you know, offered us as well to, to understand everything. We forgive everything and we let it go. And it's no longer present in our lives, therefore freeing ourselves of the past. And what a wonderful time to be freeing ourselves into, well, our own presence of our own light and to share in that light into the world because everybody's light matters so much. Nobody's light matters any more than anybody else. We're all here together to shine it, to let our genius out and to really, really enjoy our lives as never before. And those are nice words, I know. It's time to decide what is true in our lives, which is found in our heart and in our soul. Well, Adam, you said that you do your forgiveness process every day. Could you share a little technique that people can incorporate into their life? Be happy to. The first thing that I do as I awaken every day is to sit in presence of gratitude. So I invite everybody to take, even if it's just five minutes, to sit with yourself, to hold yourself, even if it's a bit of a, a hug, and to be grateful for the life that we're living and the life you're living. And you can think of your daughter or your mother or something outside in nature to help with that gratitude process. So to me, forgiveness begins by being grateful for the life that we're living. And then that I follow by allowing myself and inviting myself to forgive any place that may arise during my day where I may judge others. I may forget that I am one with others. And in this process of just of as a gentle reminder to allow myself to forgive myself now and throughout the day that I am here to love and be connected first and foremost and to let my judgments go. Just a simple way Start the day, gratitude, and a reminder for, to forgive myself for judging the others throughout the course of my day. And I bet if you did that every day, that would make a huge shift in how you process your life experiences and ultimately your level of peace and happiness. It most certainly will. And it, it is a vigilance. We all 
stumble along the way, so to speak. And it's not a matter of that happens. It's only a matter, are we showing up? I find that I stumble along the way and I'm gently reminded to check back in, to hold myself in a deeper place of forgiveness and love. And it's made a world, a world of difference in my life because it takes away the attention and the cortisol and the stress that so easily builds up in our lives. And it allows it when it does arise to let it go again. And so many of us have a story we're really attached to that maybe it's difficult for us to actually forgive, whether it's someone outside of ourselves or our own self. When yes. It's hard to forgive. Well, it is because the dynamics and, and what we've taught about how to forgive, it doesn't work. So what we're talking about in Divine Genius, the unlearning curve, is unlearning what doesn't work, what no longer serves you. And there's one problem I've identified, and there's one solution. And the one problem is that there's a source of separation, and it's a thought that we adapted, that we're separate from each other, from nature, from our planet, from our mother and father, if you believe in that, from our guides and our angels, if you believe in that, from the universe. And what we must do is decide that we're ready to write a new story. And the beauty of where we are right now on this planet, both individually and collectively, Linda, is that it's seemingly very difficult. And it is. The world is full of chaos. Change is the only constant. You've heard the cliche a thousand times. That's all going to be the same. But what's not the same is how you want to experience the journey. What the outcome that is offered is up to each of us. If we reclaim our power to write the new story, which is the new outcome, and we get to do that individually and collectively, you are needed right now to share and write a new story of our lives. We talk a lot about healing our lives. Well, how about reimagining and revisioning really how we want to live our lives, not how we've lived our lives, but how we want to live our lives going forward. So it's time to really embrace our power in that place of living in that old story because our authentic power lies in the new story. So we get to do it together. Is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners before we wrap up? And as we begin to write this new story together, I've never been more inspired by the life that is available to all of us. And not only the life that I feel that I'm living and leading from a presence of love in my heart, but to the invitation to invite our guides, to invite our angels, to invite all of them to be part of our greater council of wisdom and guidance so that we may choose into our own, well, truth of our authentic self. So much spiritual wisdom available to each one of us. Adam, how could people reach you? I would first of all just recommend going to my website, which is adamhall.solutions. So I invite you to please check out what I'm doing there. 
I have many things that I'm offering and giving away there. And these are offerings to help guide you on your journey from manifestation meditations to soulful listening. I also have something that I say is a must that you really should have. It's an ebook I put together that I'm giving away. It's right there. You can get your complimentary copy. It's a beautiful book that talks about these 13 wisdom teachings. And it shares about creating abundance in your life to really end the idea of lack and scarcity. Once and for all, you can also find my book on amazon.com, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve. Thank you again for being my guest. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. You will find all of our conversations on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Come and visit me at thoughtchange.com. Pick up your copy of Learning to Listen. While you're there, check out my program, Alchemy from the Inside Out. We will see you again next time. Bye for now.